Well, good morning. My name is not James Merritt. He is in Israel right now, and he is with a group of folks uh, touring the Holy Land right now. And so if you would, would you say just a uh, quiet prayer for him right now? And uh, he and Teresa are leading a group there. We welcome those of you who have joined us online and those of you who are here in the room. We're glad that you're here. Bruce has already uh, just mentioned about Memorial Day, but I want to do something just a little bit more. If you have ever served in any of our armed forces and or are a family member of anyone who has served in our armed forces, I'm going to ask, would you just stand up and let us see you this morning? Families all over the room. Thank you for their service. As you can think of, and Bruce mentioned, we're going to, to participate in the Lord's Supper today. And uh, the Lord's Supper is, is a Christian's memorial day. That is what we do. We, we remember what the sacrifice that those who or that one who has gone before us has, has done for us. And so we remember the life and the work and the sacrifice of Jesus on a day like today, especially on Memorial Day but also in the fact that we're taking the Lord's Supper. Today, we will have a celebration. So if you think back to uh, some people have funerals, but a lot of folks, they've, they've kind of changed the name of the, the title of what they call this, come to a celebration of life service. And today, that's what this is. We're going to gather together as a family. We're going to have a celebration of life service. It's going to be a thanksgiving for all that God has done th for us through the person of Jesus, as we will take part in taking the elements in just a moment. Uh, we have come to worship the living, not the dead. These, these elements are on the tables around the room, and we're going to participate in just a moment. But as we take of these elements, it's a good reminder that we serve a God who is not dead, but he is alive. And so when we take of these elements, it is not in a moment of sadness or, but it is of reflection and celebration because of what today means. We welcome you simply to celebrate with us. Now, as I've looked on this date for a couple of uh, months, his pastor was away and he put it on the calendar that, hey, Mike, you're going to be up on that day. I started thinking about what this looks like. And uh, I have had this idea of it's always a family gathered whenever we gather together on Sunday morning. We are brothers and sisters in Christ for those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And I started thinking about family. In fact, I thought about it even more this past week as my family went away to the beach uh, for a vacation. My mother celebrated her 80th birthday. So her two boys and then her eight grandchildren, two daughter-in-laws, joined together at the beach, and we were crammed in a beach house, and we had the opportunity to enjoy the, the matriarch of the family. We sat around and had a great time. We, we got it, I got all the kids together, all the grandkids, and we kind of went in a room and, and wrote cards and did kind of, I like to draw things. I'm kind of a freehand. I'm not very good, but it's kind of comical. So I drew things and I had the kids draw things of what they remembered about their grandmother or something that brought to mind memories. Uh, the emoticons that are on her iPhone, that's one of the unique gifts a grandmother has of these emoticons. You'll see this kissy face to all the grandkids about every day. So one of the kids would draw the little, you know, do their best to draw a round circle and do the little kissy face. And, and another kid drew or another, another individual drew a, a car with a goose in front of it. And some years back, my mother ran over a goose, tore up the whole front end of her car. She had duct tape. It was, it was a sight. 
So we laughed and we sat and wrote cards and shared stories at this time that we were away. We played in the sand and the surf and the sun. We enjoyed the relationship. And we thought about all the particular moments where mom was so unique and vital to our lives. And, and we don't get together very often. But when we do, it's a special time of celebration. And the fellowship was sweet. And every Sunday morning, I'm, I'm a church guy. I'm a church nerd. Maybe you can see that when I come, get up here and I talk about the church. I just love the church. I love what the church represents. I love the people of the church. I just simply love coming on Sunday morning. I, you know, I was taught long ago, Saturday night live is Sunday morning dead. And I've practiced that for years. I go to bed early on Saturday night. I'm kind of a boring dude, but I go to bed early on Sunday morning. Why? Because I want all my energy for Sundays. I want to greet people. I want to give high fives to people. I want to hug people. I want to be about family on Sunday morning. And so when I think of gathering in this room, we celebrate family. And we, we don't do it in the sense of a matriarch, but we celebrate a heavenly father each and every week. We celebrate what he has done for us. We gather, we sing songs, we give, we, we open God's word, we celebrate and, and we have these meaningful moments as we see God's life, God, God tracing moments of our life as he, he shapes and he guides and he corrects and he encourages. And we gather this morning not with a birthday cake, not with candles or handwritten notes, but for worship. We gather this morning with the idea that we are going to ascribe worth to the one who, the only one who is worthy of our praise. And so when we gather together, we gather weekly for this. But special occasions, a couple of times a year, we will gather for what's called the Lord's Supper. It is this moment where we will share a little wafer that is unlike anything else you'll ever eat during the course of your year. You will also partake in a, a little, little cup of juice. And we'd only do these a couple of times, but it's a reminder of the journey that we have had. In fact, when we take this, it reminds us of our beginnings. It reminds us of how we got here, our heritage. It reminds us of our family, our journey, our struggles even, and our successes. And at the end of the day, we celebrate what the Lord has done for us. So today's service will be a little bit different. We're going to have a, a worship song in the middle of it, and then we're going to have a worship song at the very end. So we're going to celebrate, but my hope is that we will ponder on what we are doing and what Christ has done such that we will celebrate together. Before we go any further, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We got, ask God that you would allow us corporately to, to worship but privately that we would ascribe worth, worth to you. Father, we ask that you would move in a way that is meaningful and transformative. In Jesus' name, amen. Most family gatherings begin with stories of the past. You get around in a circle, you start reminiscing about all the things that happened funny, you have pleasant memories, you, have, you rehash indelible moments, like the time that my mom driving to church on a Wednesday night, she was so proud. She was coming to get her two boys that were churchmen. I mean, they were boys in the youth group. They were going for the Bible study. They took their Bibles. They were learning memory verses. She pulls up late in the evening, this dark around. There's a big church, uh, there's a big 
group of people scattered and kind of gathering around this front door of the church and see things. Oh man, my son is a part of all that. He is a church going boy. She drives up and shines a light and realizes her two boys are in the middle of a big fight right there in the middle of the church ground. It's a moment that mom remembers and she was like, those are my two church going boys fighting each other. Fight at home, not at the church. She, you, you get together and you rehash these moments and you think about your family histories. You think about all those moments where you went to high school and that house we lived in. You remember that old beat up car? You remember when I hit the goose? You remember your dad trying to fix it with the duct tape? Remember how cheap he is? All those stories compound. This morning, would you travel with me to a time long, long ago to a place far, far away? To the beginning of time, to the very beginning of our family, our spiritual family, but also the physical nature of our family. I want you to go to the Garden of Eden with me in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In fact, if you have your Bibles, it's, it's the first page. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning. Before there was anything else, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So when you stop and you think about in the beginning, you think about this moment of gatherings, we're together, we're thinking about family moments, we're thinking about our heritage, our history. In just a few moments, we'll partake of the Lord's Supper. But before we do, let's go back and recall where we've come from. In the beginning, God you see, God was self-existent. He was complete. He was whole. He needed nothing else. And the Bible says, in the beginning, God chose. He, he chose to create something. God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We see that God, in his self-existent nature, by himself, decided, hey, I'm going to create something. In fact, we see seven days, or six days of creation, really. Six days, the first day, he created the day and the night. Second day, he created the sky and the seas. He, he separated the two. Day three, he created the land and the vegetation. On day four, he flung the stars and the moon and the sun into existence. Day five, he created the sea creatures, including the fish and the birds. Day six, he created the animals. Not just the animals, but also man. He created the mankind at that day, and on the seventh day, he looked, and it was good, so he rested. So if you good look, and he, he says, the Bible says it was good a couple of times, and then one time it says it was very good. In Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we see everything in perfect harmony. It was good. If you go back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, we see this is day 6, and this is what it says. Then God says, and he uses three pronouns, he three pronouns that are plural form, showing not just one, but multiple people involved. Let's look at it. Then God said, and he took from his rib and made a woman who was a helpmate to her, to him, and her name was, what? Eve. So when you look at this, Adam and Eve were created in perfect harmony in the garden, Genesis chapter one, chapter two, and we see the picture of the first marriage said that the Bible took these two, and the Bible says, and they shall join together and become one flesh. 
And you see, for the very first time, this is the picture of marriage. You see, there is no wedding that's not a Christian wedding. Why? Because the wedding is such that it was created by a God who put man and woman together in the confines of perfection and perfect harmony. That's why when we struggle in the context of our culture, when marriages are going awry or someone is trying to redefine marriage, you can't redefine marriage because the very thing it was created to be is what it is. So we see this picture, and in all of this, Genesis 1 and 2, it was very good. And even though Adam and Eve together were image bearers of God, living in perfect harmony with everything they could ever want or need, they exercised their ability to turn from the very will of God. You see, in their harmony, they realized and exercised their ability to to choose something that was against God's will. They ate of a tree in the garden that God had prevented or prohibited. He said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent came by and said, God doesn't want you to eat from that because you'll just be like him. You'll, you'll know the difference. You'll be like God. So they chose upon themselves to say simply, I'm going to eat from that, and they ate. And at that moment, sin corrupted the world and broke that perfect relationship between God and his creation. It was in that moment that we call original sin that has been passed down from generation to generation to today. We feel the effects of of the sin even today. This morning we came to a family gathering. You came to a celebration and we're gonna retell stories. In fact, we started in Genesis 1-1 telling about our past, and we recognize that we as a people, as mankind, started out strong. And it was good. We were created in the image of God. We were in perfect harmony. We were in broken fellowship with the creator God. But you know what? We we realize quickly that there is bad news. And the bad news is this, is because of his original sin in the garden a long time ago, we, because of that, have a sin nature. And we are all sinners, the Bible says, and we are far from God. And there is a holy God and a sinful man. And the two cannot be in harmony one with another because of sin. And so when we realize this, we realize the world is broken. Romans 3.23 says all of us are broken. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And no one escapes the effects of sin. And if you think about this, when we're reminiscing about this family that we're gathered in, that makes sense. When we think about the culture in which we live, it makes sense of our world because that explains two-year-old fits. That that explains a newborn that just cries until he gets what he wants from a bottle. That, That explains marriage challenges that you and I are facing on a daily basis. That explains teenage rebellion Why? Because we all have sinned. It has permeated our lives, and and that's not even the worst news. That's bad news. The worst news is there's nothing we can do about it. We can't erase the effects of sin. We can't work hard enough to get rid of the sin. We can't purchase righteousness with work or with money. How do we get out of this? We realize there is, in my family, we love magic erasers, but there is no magic eraser for sin. There is no special spiritual whiteout that we can just cover over the sin and just move on. There is no pressure washer for the soul. 
You see, the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. All have sinned and we deserve death. What do we do? We can't erase it. We can't get rid of it. We can't work hard enough. So we find ourselves in a really terrible spot. Genesis 2, 1 and 2 shows life, but Genesis 3 shows death. Without someone willing to pay the penalty of sin, without someone worthy to be sacrificed, without someone wholly acceptable as a perfect substitute, the outlook and outcome is bleak. Now, as we look back over the corridor of time, we're able to see that God in the Old Testament provided a way through a sacrificial system. And a priest would be delivered a perfect lamb. And he sacrificed that perfect lamb and the sins of the world would be put on that lamb or sins of the people and sacrificed over and over. But it was never fully satisfactory to the penalty. Why? Because they had to do it over and over. Without a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, without a substitute, taking the sins and placing it somewhere else, there is no forgiveness of sin. And the Old Testament gave us this idea of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant is such that there was always had to be an animal, a perfect animal. And Jesus came to bring in and usher in the New Testament and the New Covenant that animals were no longer needed because why? Those animals that never fully satisfied would no longer be needed because while there is bad news and while the worst news is even worse than the bad news, there is good news. You see, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, from heaven to earth. Remember Genesis chapter one? Let us make man in our image. Jesus was with God the Father in the creative moment. And he was in heaven, self-existent with God the Father, and he left heaven for earth because he loves you and me. He lived a perfect life. He experienced everything that you and I experienced, yet he lived without sin. His life honored, the Lord, uh, honored God in every way. He died a cruel death on a Roman torture symbol, a rugged cross. And that's how much God loves you. And that's how much when God looks over the, and sees each one of us, he sees his imprint. He sees the Imago Dei in you. He sees the image of himself in each one of his creation. He loves you that much that he gave his one and only son as a sacrifice. You see, Jesus isn't spiritual whiteout. He didn't come to just cover our sins. He became our sins. He became our substitute, and we took his righteousness when he took our sins upon himself. And to the cross of Christ, he carried our sins upon himself. He suffered, bled, and died for me and you. You see, on this Memorial Day, that is what we gather together. When we take of the Lord's Supper, we are remembering what Jesus did. The Lord's Supper is a celebration for the family. You see, you know who the family of God is? It's people in this room. It's the believers who know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. It is the ones who simply have surrendered their life. They haven't become sin-free, but they have trusted the Lord with their future and with their life. 
So the Lord's Supper this morning is for believers. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I pray this morning that you will recognize that we are all sinners. And there is a penalty that must be paid for that sin. And Jesus died on a cross so that you might have life. His body was broken. His blood was shed. And Jesus, through his sacrificial, atoning work on the the cross, he paid for your sin. This morning, that's the good news. And the best news is even this. He offers you that free gift completely and utterly free. As Jesus went to the cross, he uttered these words. He said the word tetelestai. Tetelestai is a word that means in the original language, it is finished. As he hung on the cross with nails in his hands, he uttered the word tetelestai, paid in full. The bill has been paid. You have the opportunity to be free. Would you bow your heads all across the room? Before we get to the Lord's Supper, there are uh, perhaps a man, woman, or child in this room that you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You've heard these words, but by faith, the Bible says, by faith you can come to know him if you simply would say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins and come in and change my heart and my life. And allow me the hope for eternity, a hope that is unbroken harmony with God all over again. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God shows his love for us that in, that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. So this morning, I'm going to plead in just a moment Would you simply just ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart, to give you faith, to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, to give you hope for eternity? The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And we are to be the perfect representation of God on this earth, and we fall short. But over the course of our time, that's what we do. We are working toward understanding how much God loves us. Lord Jesus, right now, if there's a man, woman, or child in this room and they do not know you, would you simply just ask them to just give of their striving and recognize that they're a sinner and ask you to come into their life and forgive them of their sins and that they would know what it means to have peace and hope and joy and worth and value Father, would you save these individuals even now? Father, for us, as we go into a time of just simply recognizing what you did on this cross, we partake in the Lord's Supper, would you allow it to be meaningful? Not just simply transactional, but transformational. Allow us to see your hand at work even in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we're gonna sing a song. And I'm going to step out of the way and you guys are going to step to, there's six little um, tables that have the Lord's Supper elements. They're prepackaged, so they're easy for you to grab. We're going to ask for you simply to to step out and, and grab one and then return to your seat. And we're going to sing. Megan's going to sing in just a moment. 
But what I'm going to ask is, if you're not a believer, we're going to ask that you would just hold off. This is for believers, people that understand. You, you would never celebrate publicly what you don't believe privately. So if you don't know Jesus, we're going to ask you just to hold back and just watch. At the same time, we're going to ask for you parents. Some of you don't have, have children that have never made a clear gospel presentation, never, never had an opportunity where they've made a commitment to Christ. Would you just simply allow them just to watch? And I know that we don't want to hurt any kids' feelings, but this is a moment where you simply in the car can ride home, can say, hey, listen, let me tell you what we did today, what mom and dad did, and let's talk about it at home, about what Jesus did. And then the last thing the Bible says is for believers, but it's also for repentant believers. If there's sin in your heart right now and you know it, would you just simply over the next minute or two or when the band sings, would you just simply lay it before God and say, forgive me of this sin specifically, as specific as you can. And then say, God, would you just allow me to partake of the Lord's Supper in a way that is worthy of what this moment means. Confess, repent, and be restored. In just a moment, we're going to sing, how deep is the Father's love for us. As these words come up, I pray that you would sing as they they bubble up the words and the meaning bubble up from inside and you can sing the words because you know what the Lord has done for you. Don't just sing it. Ponder the very words. Remember, rejoice. Lord Jesus, right now, as we go into a moment of just singing, would you allow us to see and to sense what it is, the sacrifice that you made. You be honored now. Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet all across the room? We're going to invite you to come to a table and grab one of these elements and then return to your seat and let's sing with us. Let's sing together.
nothing, no gifts, no power, no Just as we remember the sacrifices of our fallen soldiers on Memorial Day, we remember what Jesus did. Not on a battlefield, but on an old rugged cross. You see this symbolic act of taking a little wafer. This is not the body of Jesus. Simply a symbol that reminds us of the journey that we have been on. Symbolic act of taking the wafer and the juice reminds us that while sin tarnishes the image of God in us, it's never taken away from us because the image of God is still indelibly stamped upon our lives. And sin is not bigger than God and not more powerful than God. And so God still sees that stamp on us. but it's tarnished. Think in your mind of an old car in the junkyard. The paint is tarnished. It's dull. But over the course of people just rubbing and buffing and the shine is restored. You see, that's what our life is today as believers. We are walking, when we're reading our Bibles, we're attending church, we're in a small group, we are serving, we are participating in mission trips. What takes place is God is gently buffing that image to create the shine of what it once was. And because of sin in our lives, it will never be fully restored this side of heaven. But the hope that we have and the glorious reality is that God will fully restore that image when Jesus either comes back or our life ends. You see, this morning, God is a God of justice. And because of sin, that penalty must be paid. But because of his undying love, faithfulness for us, he sent his son Jesus to pay a penalty we can never pay. And so that payment was paid. His justice was served. But at the same time, we get the grace and mercy of a loving God. Jesus is the perfect expression of what God meant for his creation in full harmony, full obedience. In fact, Colossians 1, 15 through 17 says this about Jesus. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things are created in heaven and on earth. For by him, remember, he was there. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is worthy of our praise. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. That is why we worship and we pray in Jesus' name because we recognize it is through him. God, through Jesus, not only saves, but he fully intends to restore the image of God in us. This morning, try to get the wafer off the top of your lid. Paul talking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took piece of bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and then Paul speaks and it says Jesus then said in the same way he took a cup and after the supper meal, he said, this cup is in a new covenant. It shows the blood that was shed. It wasn't from an animal. It was from the perfect son of God. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. In just a moment, we're going to close. And I'm going to ask all of you to do this. The first service was so kind. I'm gonna ask for no one to leave or stir. Bruce is gonna come at the end and close our service down. So I'm just gonna ask if you will, just please don't leave. As a family, what happens is at the end of the gathering, you celebrate one last time. And we're gonna sing a song and the name of the song is, Oh, Praise the Name. And I wanna just simply go through a couple of the lyrics of the song and then the guys are gonna lead us. And then Bruce will close us down. The words say this, I cast my mind to Calvary, the very place that Jesus was crucified and died, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. I want you, when you're singing these words, to see the spikes of his hands. My Savior on that cursed tree, think about that Roman torture symbol, the cross. My Savior on that cursed tree, his body bound and drenched in tears. Why was he crying? He was crying because he looked over humanity and he saw your face and he saw mine. And he knew that without him going through this, we would never have hope. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. Think about these moments when you read these words, when you sing these words, they laid a lifeless body of the God-man in a tomb. The entrance was sealed by a heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Remember, he was alone all by himself because why? He was the only acceptable, willing sacrifice that could do what he did. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. May this be the posture of our hearts today and tomorrow and next Sunday. For endless days we will sing your praise.
this is what we will do for all of eternity. We will sing the praises of the one who saved us. Then on the third, at break of dawn, think Easter Sunday morning. The sun of heaven rose again. O trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. Oh, he shall return in robes of white. Think of robes of white and the unblemished lamb, not the lamb, but the ultimate lamb who paid the price for your sins and for mine. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. In heaven, there will be no more darkness. There will no more pain. And I will rise amongst the saints. All believers once again will gather together. And my gaze transfixed on Jesus's face. When you sing these songs, think of the words you're singing and may the joy and the emotion of the moment recognize this is coming because I recognize what God has done for me. Do not allow this simply to be a transaction between you and God this morning. Allow it to be a moment where he transform you from this step to the next step in your walk with him. Would you stand to your feet all across the room now? And as a family gathering that has thought about what Christ has done, nobody moving, nobody leaving, would you sing with all you have and celebrate for all God has done?